And everybody, welcome back to the Mark Hoke Show. And we are very excited to have one of the coolest cats in AEW on the show. I can't tell you how thrilled I am. And the guy who's out from my neck of the woods, you know, the home in Tacoma, but uh, spent a lot of time in York County and Lancaster County, Swerve Strickland is on the show. Welcome, buddy. What's going on, man? Appreciate you for having me. Hey, thanks a lot for coming on. Hey, first question I got to ask you is, how's your hand? It's injured, man. <laughs> it's injured. It's really messed up, but mission accomplished. Only I could pull that out of Hangman Page right now. <laughs> that was a perfect job with uh, last night on AEW Dynamite, of course. Yeah, you kind of got to the Hangman a little bit, and he stabbed you in the hand with a pen in that contract signing, man. That's some good psych work on your part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> you could say that. Yeah, I'm an agitator, and that's what I do. Well, you did a great job. You know, you haven't been on our show before, so I want to give everybody a little bit of background about you. Tell everybody yeah. a little bit about where you're from and, you know, the military service and everything that you went through before you got into wrestling. Two weeks out of me graduating high school, I went to the military. I went down to South, Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and I, was, I graduated from there and moved down to Augusta, Georgia, and I went to my AT school, which was uh, signal support communications. So I did that for about like six months. Then I came back to Pennsylvania in the York area. And I lived up there for about a couple months. And um, that's where I was doing my drills, everything. That's where I was like, I had my, my home base stationed at. But I was also, I was a reservist. So I was working a regular job at the time that I was not enjoying. It wasn't going anywhere. And it didn't take me long to be bored of it. So I just like, kind of like just dropped the job and moved down to Richmond, Virginia. I was going to like look to start professionally training, training to become a professional wrestler because that's what all young 18 year olds do. (laughs) And so my mom supported me. She didn't like laugh at it. She didn't think it was like a stupid thing and a bad idea. My mom was always like, you know, I want you to pursue what you want to do. But as long as I know you're safe and you're not out there doing wrong, you can do whatever you want to do. And I'll always support you. So. I wasn't in the streets or nothing like that. I was just like, no, this is what I want to do. And like, how do, what do I need to do to make to have support for me to do this? So like, okay, you need to get a job or you need to go to school and you need to and make sure you go do do your drills at the same time. And then, oops, surprise, life happens. My oldest daughter was uh, about to be born soon, so I had to drop school and just do a job, military drill, and learn how to be a professional wrestler all at the same time. Wow. I was 18 with very little money, living in Virginia, and my daughter living in Pennsylvania, so that's a four-hour drive. So I take those drives every couple weeks or a month for my military drills and to be a daddy and all this other stuff at 18 years old. It was not easy, but perseverance is key to something like that following your dream. And when you're following a dream that early on with all those obstacles in the way of trying to pursue it, not everybody believes that you can do it. So a lot of there's a lot of doubt and there's a lot of questioning. Was I doing the right thing? Was I being too selfish trying to pursue this while like leaving responsibilities? But it was like, no, I know I can. I know this can work and I know I can push through and I know I can do all this. And like I said, once again, I wasn't really out doing anything wrong, but it was just the fact that I was facing a lot of odds in succeeding in this. So I got a lot of doubt, of course, but the more I pushed, the more I sacrificed, the more I drove through to actually become something. And this was all in the Pennsylvania area for very, very many years. And then I broke through eventually. Well, I have to commend you, especially for doing that driving Route 30 in York, Pennsylvania. 
because that is one of the most miserable roads in the United States of America. It's nothing like 95 in Washington. <laughs> That's a little rough up there, yeah. too, I've heard. Yeah, there's nothing like that. I, I, When we have to do shows, I really despise having to be catch Ubers to the arena and hotels and all that stuff. I truly despise that area just because of the travel. Not the areas itself, but just the traveling. Understood. Well, of course, you also got rolling in, you know, in combat wrestling, the and of course MCW and doing lucha libre. I mean, just all sorts of terrific things that you did as you worked your way up. Uh, tell everybody about your road on the independence. Oh man, uh, it was always about networking and not being afraid to get up and move and go somewhere. So for me, it was like um, it was uh, a lot of packing up stuff and just moving to where the action was. You know, not every place had a lot of action. There was, like, bookings you can make, but, like, who's going to see you? Who's who's going to be meaningful to, like, see your work and get you to the next level? So, Richmond, I learned to wrestle. I tra- got trained, and I had wrestled for ground, ground Zero Wrestling in Richmond for, like, I'd say about a year. And I learned all that I could. I've had the matches with, like, everybody on the roster at the, at the school and stuff. But I was like, okay, nobody's really seeing this. So, like, so I end up just, like, grabbing all my stuff and moving back up to Pennsylvania and staying with my mom up there. And I had one contact and that's all I used to get to the show. That's where I met Adam Cole in 2010. I met him and Joe Gacy and they had a really dope match. And I was like, Oh man, these guys are really good. This these are the guys I, I need to be around. So, uh, exchange information with them. Adam Cole got back to me months later and, was, and invited me up to CZW in late 2010. I started, I, I once again, packed up all my stuff, moved up there, got close to the action. I was all, and that was like in the outside of Philly area. And then I, that's where I really started like coming to the wrestling school. And I started training with Sammy Callahan, Drew Gulak, Rich Swan came back from Japan and on, on his tours from uh, Dragon Gate, working with him, Adam Cole would come through when he wasn't busy with Ring of Honor. And I just got around great talent at the time. That's now like one of the top, top names in the industry today. And that's if there's anything that I could really like give advice to people that is on that indie grind, it's to get around the action, get close to the action and stay around it. You only get better working with people that are better than you and that are actually doing more. And you want to be in the places that they are actually actively at and don't be afraid to like sacrifice and lose something in order to gain something greater that sounds great and then of course did the work in mlw and then nxt and that's i think where the world really started to see it was on nxt and you did such amazing work there what was the experience like in nxt for you it was a it was a great experience but there was also times where i was like i know that i can offer more i know that i'm being held aside because there's so much focus on the top of the card with with the stacked roster of guys that they've also they're also feeling the same way as well. They have their they have their opportunities. They're getting their chances because they've been felt feeling like they haven't been used to the best of their abilities. So now it's their turn to get theirs and get their opportunities to showcase that. So it was me. I was like, ah, man, it's like you can't just cut the line and jump in front of these guys that have been there or all that, but then there's the occasional guys that can jump the line and just get right to the top as soon as they're brought in. And that can be frustrating. So there was those frustrating times, especially when you have all this creative energy and you got all these different ideas that you can like truly just give something different and unique on the show. But at the same time, it's not your show and it's not necessarily your time to push that idea on because they have their plans as well. It's almost like you writing a movie and then somebody has an idea of like, you say you're writing drama and suspense, but Oh, I got great horror that I could throw into this. 
uh, but I'm not writing horror right now. I'm writing suspense. We'll have time for horror. Don't know when it is. <laughs> don't know when I need it, but we'll get to horror. But let me finish my suspense first. And that's what it feels like. But then, man, finally, when you get your chance to showcase that horror and you blow it out of the water and you make like a classic, then it's like, oh, man, I need a volume two. I need a volume three. I need a. I need to go into the next. Oh, now we need to right. make a movie. Out of it. And that's where I, the NXT field and the WWE field was for me. And I've seen it with uh, uh, countless other people, too. When they get on, they get the time and they get to show, the t- chance to showcase and change the world, like pro wrestling and wrestling entertainment. Beautiful. But for me, AEW, I, nece- I didn't necessarily have that time to wait. It was cool to just come out and to be like, I got horror. Cool. We don't have horror. Show us what your horror is all about. Yeah. Boom. Here we go. That's what AEW felt like. And just to have that type of opportunity, once again, no, like no different from like the like WWE's like roster as far as like full and being stacked full of talent. But AEW was just jam packed full of talent and being able to just like showcase that and work with those guys is unlike any other place you could ever be. It's like one of the best. And then like you have Shibata that can just walk in here any chance he can. Then you had, you know, you got like Will Ospreay could just like fly over and then jump in there. It's like, damn, this is a this is just jam packed talent anywhere, you know. So it's rewarding when you know your ideas are being heard, and they, at least they take a chance on it. Right. Like I said, it, it can always fail, but at least they take a chance on it. Yeah, I think one thing that when everything happened with WWE and then you got into AEW, I think a lot of people were really excited, and I know I was one of them. Because I said, man, you know, he's going to get to turn loose when he comes into AEW. And you did. I mean, you really started to open up and won the World Tag Team Championships with Keith Lee, which, you know, I thought you guys were really underrated as a tag team. I mean, even though he won the World Titles, some people are like, oh, what are these guys doing with the tag titles? But I thought you guys did a great, great job. What was that run like with Keith? Oh, man, like working with Keith at the time was a phenomenal experience. I, I wish, like, I bet a lot of fans wish that we had those tag titles now or, like, we're running <laughs> around with them. And this time, because, like, a lot of, the te- like, I'm, not to take any credit away from FGR, they're still putting out bangers, like, especially when what they just did with, like, Jay White and Juice Robinson. It's, like, one of the best tag matches I've seen all year. It's incredible work. But I feel like there's a, a flux of the tag team division that we're still working on in a sense, too. But man, like I'm like I, once again, I think people do. When we did tag, me and Keith Lee did tag earlier this year against Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy. I feel like people were like, "Oh man, this is nostalgia." It's nostalgia. It was not even like a year ago, right. but but they, there was like a, a little bit of nostalgia, and they were like, "Man, these guys. We didn't appreciate these guys when they were on top with the tag titles, doing very unique things, bringing out like the Rick Ross uh, accusations, gifts, and Kevin Gates, and like doing like all these different unique things. And like, uh, you didn't know what was going to happen between us because there's always something unique about our entrance. Like, oh, are they on the same page? Are they going to like, is it going to go this way and stuff? There's always a story, not between our opponents, but the story was between me and Keith Lee. That's what made our tag team kind of unique. Yeah, it was. I I thought you guys did a fantastic job, but then when that team broke up and you got things rolling with yourself, is where I think it really took off for you. And it seems like you were able to then blossom this new character that you have, where you have just become so villainous and so devious in what you're doing out there in promos and and how you're behaving in the ring 
man, it, you took it to a new place that I didn't even know that that gear you had that gear. I mean, it's it's pretty cool to watch. I I, I appreciate that because uh, it's honestly, and I'm not trying to be like that guy with um, putting race into thing, but you don't see African Americans really play that kind of role in a human form. Usually, you see a boogeyman, you see a Kamala, you know, you see Papa Shango, you see those those type of characters, but you don't see like a regular person, like who's a real human, play those roles a little bit in that sense. And I saw uh, something that was really original and o- an opening, I could say, to take that leap and like, let me try it, let me do it, let me, because I truly and and I truly believe in the words that I'm saying. I truly believe in the p the person that I'm attacking or going after. I truly believe in their character. Cause like I'm, I'm at a point and I feel like it was, that was the turning point for me being at that point. I didn't study wrestling anymore. I studied people hmm. and that's where it really turned around. I'm like, okay, I know what you can do in the ring, but who are you in that ring? Who are you outside of the ring? More importantly, how do I attack that? And then that's where it got into the ring. When I looked at it at that way is where a lot of things started turning, cha- uh, changing. And then I started changing with it. I'm like, okay, what aspects of me losing or me going this way or these things that are changing on the show that are out of my control, what can I use to that to take that and change my character and make me go this path now? Now you're seeing the way I'm talking, my hair, the certain aspect of my look is a little different and unique all because I came out of a coffin not that long ago. Yeah. So that that affected me in some sense. So like, okay, I'm going to take that and make this now. Now, this is where I I have to go now because this happened to me. And it's now, now I'm causing things to happen to Hangman because this happened to me and now I'm just having that same effect on him. And yeah. that's, like I said, I'm not studying wrestling anymore. I'm studying people. I think that's terrific. And and, it, and it's definitely showing for sure. You talked about getting stuck in that coffin, but, you know, and that was kind of unfortunate. But talk about the experience at AEW All In. And performing at Wembley in front of all those people, when you think about where you had come from and when you walked through that curtain to see that scene, what was that like for you? I didn't get to feel it yet till I, after I did it. <laughs> uh, I, at that point, I had to just be that guy. I had to be the guy that knows I need to be. I, I know I'm here for a reason. I know the consequences of if I lose this match. It's me going in a coffin, you know, <laughs> like I had to be like, it was almost like the prize fighter walk to the ring and, and a big, big uh, showtime boxing fight. You know, that was the mentality I was really in. I saw the people, but I didn't see the people at the same time. In a sense, I heard the music. But I didn't hear the music at the same time. I got on the mic and took that moment just to like do whose house, where's house. I was like, that's like that, that just that, that call out just to establish I know that I know that y'all know what y'all seeing. I is in a sense, you know, it was like a little bit of a flex, just like, okay, so y'all know my name, y'all know why y'all here, y'all know who's in this ring right now, you know, and it's to let the pe- the audience know that they know who they're watching. Yeah, it was an amazing day, and uh, I'm thrilled you got to be a part of it for sure. But now we're moving on to Seattle, your home area. We have Wrestle Dream coming up. And tell everybody a little bit about this pay-per-view first, because we're starting to see AEW expand into doing more pay-per-views, and obviously this one being kind of an, an ode to Antonio Inoki, and you get to do it in your hometown too. 
tell everybody a little bit about this pay-per-view and what it means to AEW and to you. Well, well, for one, Tony Khan and AEW have always been big on tradition and carrying on tradition. And Tony Khan was a big fan of Antonio Inoki, Russell Dream. Those were the those were the shows, the events that he grew up watching the, doing the, during the tape training time. So right now, what I'm seeing, what's, what's important to me is it's building a new tradition for 2020, the year 2020 and, and beyond. This, this generation is getting to experience something like that. And then it's like, it's almost like um, you're passing down what you watch to your children and the next generation and to carry on that honor tradition. You know, man, like I can't bring you back to where I was watching this and sit, hearing that music and experiencing it. But now we have AEW to bring it to the next generation. So you can hopefully feel what I felt when I first saw this originally. And that's the, the fun part about the true wrestling fans that do go back with the history of Antonio Inoki and Russell Dream. And to do that in Seattle, that's where it becomes important to me. That we, I'm a part of like a time-honored tradition passing it forward in my city, in my hometown. And to be a part of that and to just be able to be one of the marquee matches to, produ- to promote that on Dynamite and then going into Seattle and Wrestle Dream, that's a huge honor c- coming from where I've – all the, like, the pitfalls of like being let go from here – being signed to here, winning tag titles here, coming down here, and then building back, building it back up to here from all in. That's a lot of momentum I'm having from all that. And carrying over to Wrestle Dream is big. And of course, you're going to be taking on Hangman Adam Page, the former AEW World Champion. Of course, we're on with Swerve Strickland, by the way. You put a, a heck of a promo out there on him first to start this whole thing off, where you really challenged him and you called him out. And you know, you talked about getting into people's heads and getting to know people a little bit. How much of that played into you calling out the hangman? They call me the realist for a reason. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's exactly what it was. It's like we all see this. Why is nobody saying anything about it? No, nobody's gonna say it. All right, I'll be the bad guy in the room and say it. And that's what that energy was. I like I said, I listen and read everything out there. I don't always acknowledge everything, but I definitely listen and read everything. I gauge it because once again, I don't study wrestling. I study people. And there's common denominators with listening to a lot of both and a lot of good critiques and honest critiques and hearing all this. You can you gotta filter it out. But there's common denominators with certain things and I was like, Hmm, okay, that's something that I can tap into. Hmm, okay, I can touch on that. Uh, okay, people do see that, but nobody's said it yet. I'm going to be the one to say it then, and I'll bring it to light. And I'll do it in a unique way, but that's also me finding my own voice, too, to actually deliver it in a way that people are like, wait, hold up, this is this is kind of different. I'm going to sit a little closer because he's saying some stuff that I've been thinking, but I never actually said it out loud, and mm-hmm. nobody's actually said it out loud. And then now that's kind of like the same energy I carried over to last night's Dynamite, too. It was just like, well, I'm going to say this, and this is why I feel the way I do. I'm not ashamed. Is it wrong I feel the way I do? Actually, it is, but I don't care. I need that. That's my fuel. That's my fire to come at you. I said this before. It's like, yo, like we couldn't. I said a line that like I make an enemy out of somebody every single day, and that's what fuels me, and we couldn't be more opposite from one another. But at, the more this story unfolds, the more we have these promos, these back and forth, and these talking segments, and like he has the backstage sit and talks and I have the backstage sit and talk. People are going to understand. Well, actually, they're more similar than a lot of than they're actually putting on. So like they're coming from like two different privileges of pro wrestling in a sense. So we're kind of telling the story of privilege 
without actually saying it. There's a lot more depth to these things than what goes on. Like, oh, oh man, you had some rain and that shower during your day, and you, oh, you had these little things and these, oh, these, oh, you had setbacks. Oh, boo hoo. Like, I haven't had setbacks. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, you know, like, oh man, like you felt like you weren't being listened to and treated and, Oh, you like that's why your motivation. Like, well, yeah, I haven't been listened to either. Yeah, I have had people screw me out of opportunities left and right, but they didn't stop my motivation. Every and I don't have the opportunity to just sulk in my sulk in that. I have to fire up and motivate, or else you don't see me. He does. He can do that because he's an elite member, so he can sulk and he can he can lose his smile and his motivation and still be okay and be on these pay per views and float and do these death matches with, with uh, freaking Moxley. I don't have that luxury. So that's where kind of my my character is like targeting him. It's not necessarily Hangman Page. It's whoever was in a spot like that. It just happens to be Hangman Page. Well, what can we expect from this match and this pay-per-view coming up? Tell everybody, you know, got a chance to sell this thing to everyone. Let's do it. Think of a physical version of that, <laughs> of like <laughs> someone who had to go through ebbs and flows and ups and downs, who had to get kicked to the curb, not necessarily being their fault, not necessarily being the problematic one, actually being the good soldier, having to be cast away and then having to find work and then work hard to get the job and then work even harder to keep the job versus someone who is going to have a job regardless. It's, it's the starving versus the fed, if that makes any sense. Double entendre there if you want to look into it that way. This is the guys who had to survive from underneath and build and fight and scrap and take in whatever way we had to versus the ones that no matter what was taken off their plate, they were always going to get served another plate of food. That's what we're looking at. It's the privilege and the fight and of man, you lost it. I'm gaining it. You lost your motivation. I'm gaining it. And if you keep feeling like that, you don't have that fire anymore. I'm going to take advantage of that because I've always had a fire brewing in me. It doesn't go out. It doesn't flicker. And now that he's, it's starting to come out and like starting to roar a little bit. He's starting to get his little roar back from last night. It might be too, a little too late mm-hmm. for that now. Might be a little too late. Who knows? But you got to watch Wrestle Dream this Sunday to see that and see the outcome of that, see the actions that, who knows? It's not always that, it's not always the person that treat, that does the wronging gets penalized. Sometimes it's the people that the loved ones get penalized and get punished for that person's actions as well. No, it's going to be a terrific pay-per-view coming to you live from Seattle at the uh, Climate Pledge Arena on October 1st, AEW Wrestle Dream. It's going to be Swerve Strickland taking on Hangman Adam Page. It's going to be an unbelievable match. And Swerve, I want to thank you for coming on the Mark Hoke Show, man. It's a pleasure to get to talk to you. And I'll be up there, so I'll look forward to seeing this one live. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming out and supporting, man. Appreciate you. You got it. Have a great day, bud. You too. Thank you.